running away from people now. 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporters' <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fati was always soft. Can't win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning, with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fontes. We welcome you into a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Shortened show today. Crunch taking on the Utica Comets at 1 o'clock. So you've got us for 40 minutes. we got a lot to pack into that 40 minutes. So we want to hear from you at 315-437-7644. Before we jump into the SU Men's Basketball game, I I should remind everyone we have the latest uh, edition of the Coaches Shows tonight. You've got GMAC from 7 to 8. I've got Adrian Autry uh, from 8 until 9 uh, tonight. So we can talk plenty of basketball tonight for two hours, but right now we've got 40 minutes to delve into yeah, it, Yeah, I was going to say, you're not going fast enough through the intro. we gotta, we got to move today. We I know. Got, we got a we lot, to, lot get time to. To, get, so, to get to everything. I, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about Syracuse-Virginia Tech, and there'll be time to get into the Super Bowl matchup. Plenty of time. Um, but this Syracuse-Virginia Tech game, Syracuse hangs on down the stretch, wins it 71-69. It was a game that the Orange led by 16 points in the first half. Virginia Tech... Kept coming, kept making run after run. Syracuse kept having the response, and it got to the point where it was a one-point game in the closing seconds. Jim Beheim decided to do something we haven't seen all that much of, and that is take Joe Girard out of the game, put Elijah Hughes at the guard position uh, atop the zone along with Buddy, and they forced a bad shot. And Marek Dolajai got the rebound, made one of two free throws, and Syracuse escapes with another very important win, third straight win. You said last week that the Virginia win and the BC win didn't do all that much in in terms of restoring your faith in this team. Now that you saw them go on the road and beat Virginia Tech, win a game that they, they literally did not win two weeks ago, that situation where they, they had the lead, they lost the lead, and, and, and couldn't get it done down the stretch. We've seen them do it now really two times in the last week. Two games that went down into crunch time. Syracuse found a way to make the plays. Did that win change your mind at all about this team? I think I, I think packaging the three of them together, and and I'm changing my mind, and and I'm getting more optimistic as the games go along. Now, uh, look, obviously, I still think there's work to be done, and I think that anybody would tell you that there certainly is still work to be done for this team and this program to get to, uh, you know, a point where you feel good about them on Selection Sunday. But with that being said, I think that you are now back in that conversation where you can really, truly, legitimately think about it. You've picked up three wins in a row. You've won some uh, You've won some games on the road here against Virginia and Virginia Tech. You've got a couple of quality wins. I truly think that Virginia is going to continue to get better. I don't think they're as bad as that last you know two-week stretch that they had. So I think that they're going to keep rising in those net rankings and in other rankings. And Virginia Tech right now is pretty high up. Like They're going to have to take a pretty bad spill for that to not be a quality win. So I, I think that you're looking at a quality win on Saturday. You had one last Saturday as well. Uh, you can go on the road and, and pick up another win 
against another team that you lost to already on your home floor. You can win four in a row, and you can be at the end of January, you know, if all goes how you would like after you go to, you know, you you come back home and play Pittsburgh, you go down to Clemson, you can end up in a pretty similar situation to the one that we outlined at the beginning of the year. It just would have happened in a very different way than we would have imagined. Yeah, and you look at, again, for what it's worth, and I know there is a lot of basketball to be played, but you look at, at SU's situation right now with the net rankings. They moved up into the top 70, 69th as of yesterday. Uh, you look at their record against the various quadrants. They have no bad losses, 8-0 against quadrants 3 and 4. Um, the Notre Dame loss has moved up into quadrant 2 for the moment anyway, but they're 2-3 and three against quadrant 1, 1-4 one and two, or one and four rather against quadrant 2. And it, that that doesn't get you in, but it gets you back into the conversation. Again, no bad losses. They've got two quadrant 1 wins, and they've got some opportunities for others down the stretch. And oh, by the way, they're playing better. And, and I think that's the most important thing, by yes. the way. I think that they are just a better team now than they were two weeks ago. Like I, I think that that is pretty clear to see. Uh, you know, forget forget the fact for a second that they went on the road and got two pretty quality wins. Uh, you know, and and look, we we can still debate it another time. And I don't know that today is necessarily that day, but we can still debate at some point. Uh, whether the ACC is good enough this year that they are going to get the teams in, the, the number of teams in that would allow Syracuse to get a bid. And, and you know, I think that's still somewhat of a question mark. But with that being said, Syracuse is just better today than they were two weeks ago. Like you said, they're playing better. You know, Buddy Bayheim has put up um, a couple of just absurd halves and a couple of absurd shooting performances. And Elijah Hughes has continued to do... Um, what he does, you know, offensively and and around this team. They're just playing a lot better now than they were when they lost to Virginia Tech a couple weeks back. Yeah, and just to get back to your point about the you don't know if the ACC will be good enough to to get enough teams in that Syracuse gets in. It's not like the committee sits down, and I know you know this, but it's not like the committee sits down and says, well, the ACC is only going to get five, so which fives is it going to be? They're going to look at each team, team by team, and matchup resumes and so on and so forth. So it's up to Syracuse to make the resume attractive enough to the NCAA Tournament Committee to say, yeah, they deserve to get in over that team from a different conference. Um, and, and they're working on it. And they've got a, they've got a long ways to go, but it, it's it's more doable now than it, than it was two weeks ago. The other thing that struck me about the, the win over Virginia Tech is that if you look at the final stats of this game, you you probably say to yourself, there's no way SU's winning, right? They, they, they made six threes. Six. Okay? They didn't shoot well. They did not shoot the ball well from three-point range. Six threes. Elijah Hughes was one for seven from three-point range. And Buddy went on that barrage in the first half. He was he was fantastic, but he was really the only one, right? Um, you know, Howard Washington, 0 for 2 from three. Joe Girard missed his own. He only took one three-pointer. Uh, missed it. Elijah Hughes, one for seven. They made six threes. Virginia Tech, by contrast, made 15. If you had told me before the game, Vatek's going to make 15 threes at home, Syracuse is going to make six. I'm I'm saying that Virginia Tech probably wins that game by double figures. But what did Syracuse do? They took advantage of 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 the size edge that they had down low. Elijah in particular, he got going in the second half by backing his man down, getting into the paint. Uh, down the stretch of that game, you know, Marek made a big play in close. Quincy made a big play in close. Couple of them. Uh, Elijah made a big play from in close. They they took advantage. It wasn't all the three ball. And and same thing with Buddy. He was fantastic with twenty six points, but it wasn't all the three ball. He had five threes, but he had five baskets from inside the arc. They won a game that. They didn't shoot lights out to win the game, right? Because we we thought, well, live by the three, die by the three, and that's the only way this team can win is if they shoot really well and if they defend. They didn't shoot 
awesome in this game from three-point range. Not even close to awesome from three-point range, but they found a way to win it. And I, I do think, Seth, that that is a good sign. Oh, it totally is. I mean, I mean, they dominated inside the paint, which is not something that, that you're accustomed to with this team. I think they outscored Virginia Tech by, by what, 20 points in the paint? 34 um, to 12. I mean, I mean, that's unbelievable, and that's something that we haven't seen Syracuse do. They out-rebounded Virginia Tech, not by a lot, but they out-rebounded them. And, you know, we've seen this team, when they can keep the rebounding margin even a little bit close, typically they go ahead and... Um, you know, they go ahead and win the game. <laughs> you know, they, they are able to win when they can keep the rebounding margin even somewhat close, let alone win it. And they won it on Saturday against Virginia Tech, and they were able to just hold on and squeak out a win. And, and I think that, you know, you mentioned this off the top, but I think that that's a really important thing to, to remember. Again, for, the, for you know, a, a second straight road game, They've had to withstand something in the second half, and they've pulled out a win, whereas in back-to-back home games, they could not do that. Right Early in the year, they could not find a way to win these games when they got punched late against Virginia Tech, against Notre Dame. They blew late leads, and now you've seen them in back-to-back road games where they've taken on that that charge and they've won. They've responded against Virginia. They fell behind by five points and then came back, forced overtime, and won. In this game, they they were up by what sixteen. Sixteen points? in the first half, and yeah. then they they it was down to one at the end, and they they pushed ahead and and they found a way to win by two. So I think that that's a really important step forward. And some of it has to do with paint scoring. Some of it has to do with you know better defense. Some of it has to do with just growing up. How about taking care of the basketball? Four turnovers in this game. Um, I, again, I, a, a lot of encouraging signs, and I thought that that was one of them, to go out there and only commit four turnovers. And Jim Beheim made a big deal earlier this season when they did it in non-conference play. It was the Oakland game, right, where they had the, the four turnovers. Um, it, it made a big deal out of it, and, and for good reason. Um, you know, They had four turnovers in that game, uh, 21 assists. They only had 10 assists in this one. But the, the four turnovers on the road against a physical defense like that, we know that Virginia Tech was able to get Syracuse out of what it wanted to do the first time around with its physical defense. Um, they found ways to get Buddy shots, and, and they weren't all three-point shots. And, and listen, he was lights out in that first half, but he, he's he's putting the ball on the floor. He's, he's getting to the mid-range game. Elijah was able to get to the basket. Um, again, Quincy made a couple of big plays uh, in this game, finished with five points, including a big and one uh, late in the second half. We saw Howard Washington come in and provide some real quality minutes. Uh, again, his numbers don't jump off the page at you, but I thought he ran the team well. Um, you know, Joe has, has struggled here and there, and, and now Jim can put him on the bench. And you know Howard Washington goes in, and and they they went on a big run when Howard was in the in the game. Not saying he was the reason for it, but he was the reason they went on a run. But I think it's encouraging that you've got a couple of options now that you trust coming off the bench. You know, you win a game that again two weeks ago you you did not win that game, and I feel like this team is starting to come into to its own. It's still a young team. You know, it's still in a, a very competitive and very evenly balanced ACC conference. So. You know they're they're going to get tripped up here and there. That's just the nature of this conference. But I I think what we've seen over the last two weeks leads me to believe that that it is possible for this team to do enough to make the NCAA tournament. And a couple of weeks back, it was it was impossible to see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they have put themselves in a significantly, significantly better position today than they were two weeks ago. I think that you you can't deny that. Going and winning these last three games um, ha- has been hugely, hugely beneficial to to their postseason hopes. And, and 
Um, to look at it any other way is is kind of silly. I'm, you know, I, again, I'm curious to see how they continue playing. You mentioned, hey, the the league is so weird and so even that at some point they'll probably get tripped up again. And like it's it's fine to look at it that way as far as the ACC goes. It's just you know looking at it big picture, what's that mean? And and I I think that we don't really know the answer to that. Um, I wanted to get back to something you said about Buddy though. And you said he hit the five threes. He also did the work inside the arc. And I think that that's been a really interesting and important development that we've seen really in these last three games. We had seen it at times throughout the season, sure. But the last couple of games, you're seeing Buddy more and more comfortably getting off the three-point line, getting inside the arc, and and creating plays. And what that does is it, it, I mean, it forces defenders to sag off of him a little bit, and then all of a sudden he can hit that wide-open three. Because if you give him a little space around the arc, he's not going to miss it. I think the, the fact that he is no longer one-dimensional, he is not just a shooter, it not only helps him, obviously it helps him. I think it, it helps the team, and, and you're right. It, it opens things up for him, but it opens things up for others as well. If he's able to put the ball on the floor... Um, and and you have to defend that. And now if he gets by his guy, you know it, it brings a, a slide from somebody else. Um, you know, and 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 then you, you're able to kick out to Elijah or Joe Girard or whatever the case may be. So his ability to put the ball on the floor and attack a little bit, I think it's going to help him. It makes it makes him tougher to guard, but I think it makes this team tougher to guard. And and the the thing that I really like about about this particular Syracuse team is that. You know, for once, offense isn't the problem, right? I mean, you you go back right. the last several years, and it's been well, they can defend, but man, can they score enough on on any given night to win these games? They have enough offense, and we know that once they figure it out defensively, we know defense can travel. This this team is not great defensively right now, but I do think they're moving in that direction. The defense can continue to get better, and offensively, they have enough firepower. They they do have enough firepower to outscore you. They do. And we didn't see it necessarily at Virginia, but you know, Virginia's its own animal. We saw it in the Notre Dame game. I mean, they put up 87 points against Notre Dame. We know that they're capable of scoring. They put up 71 on the road against Virginia Tech. They're capable of scoring enough to win. They've got to continue to improve defensively. And they made the big stop when they needed it. And, you know, you can say that it was an ill-advised shot by Landers Nolly. But some of that is credit to Jim Beheim for the substitution he made. You know, Elijah's coming out and contesting is a lot different than Joe Girard coming out and contesting I wanted, that shot. I wanted to bring that up at some point, and something I wanted to bring up with Jerry uh, later tonight, because that is a really intriguing defensive lineup. It gives you so much more length and so much more, um, such a different look. And I, I don't know that that's a lineup that you necessarily want to play for for any kind of extended time because it it takes you know a, a ball handler off the court and you don't feel as good with with Quincy uh, Quincy handling as you do with Marek and and so all of a sudden you're down to really just three ball handlers and Marek Buddy and and Elijah and none of them are true point guards and none of them are anything close to true point guards so you, you're you're kind of like in a in a weird place but it could probably do some really interesting things defensively, like what we saw at the end of the game on Saturday. And it just made the 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 pass from up top to the high post so difficult that Virginia Tech could not get inside, and Nolly had to hit that to try to take that three from what 26, 27, 28 feet. It was rushed. I mean, it was, it was long. contested. It was, right. It was a long shot. It was a rushed shot. And at the end of the day, you had Elijah Hughes running at you six six with his hands up. Uh, you know that that's going to have an impact on guys, and I, I don't know that that's a fix because again, at the other end, you're you're 
making yourself a little bit weaker, but it's an interesting idea for certain times and certain situations. And that situation was, you didn't have to worry about ball handlers. There were seven seconds left, you're up by one. And you knew that if they missed, you were getting fouled. It was all about defending and, and, and contesting and then getting the rebound. And so you, by putting Barama, Marek, and Quincy all in the game at the same time, your entire back line, you're better from a rebounding perspective, and you're better up top in terms of contesting. And, and we saw that. So you're right. I don't think you want it for extended periods of time, but for seven seconds, it was it was exactly the right thing to do because you've got Landers Nolly, who's 6'7". He can shoot over the top of Joe Girard, right? If, if he takes Absolutely. that shot with Girard on him, he's able to elevate and he's able to get a clean look even if Girard is in his face. Not so much with Elijah Hughes. They're essentially the same height. Hughes comes and contests. Nolly had to rush it. And uh, wasn't even close. I mean, he didn't even get the rim, hits the backboard, Marek gets the rebound, and 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 the game is over. So, you know, th- this is one of those days, you know, for people that that criticize Jim Beheim, this is one of those days when you look and you say, oh, okay, that's why he's a Hall of Famer, right? To make that move, a lineup that he hasn't used very often at all. I don't think it's been used this year. Well, they, they've had they've had Elijah at, at work with the uh, sure, up top sure. of the zone. That's yeah. what, that's more so what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying those specific five guys on the court. I would have to go back and look. Given how minimal their bench contributions are, though, my, my guess is maybe we have seen that lineup, and we but, just haven't thought of it well, because right. it wasn't that kind of a situation. Right. We we've seen Elijah at the top of the zone here and there, um, but to go to it there with seven seconds left when he hasn't done it the entire game I, again. That's that's one of the examples of of why Jim Beheim's won as many games as he has. It was a great move. They got it done, and now they've won three in a row, and they, and they have all sorts of momentum now, You know, getting ready for this Notre Dame game. Then you've got Pitt at home, again, at Clemson. Another three-game stretch coming up. You've won three in a row. You've got a three-game stretch coming up that... I mean, how often did we talk about it at the end of December and the beginning of January? Like, every game in January was winnable. Notre, going to Notre Dame, not a challenge. At Pittsburgh at home, Clemson at home. All of these are, are very winnable games. You know, not, you don't look at any of these three and say, loss. And, you know, that's going to happen a lot in, in the ACC schedule, not just in January, but probably in February, too. I know you played Duke and, and Florida State and Louisville, but outside of that, um, every game is, is winnable. You just threw me these tickets. Are we doing this now? Yeah, why not? All right, just Why give not? them away? Yeah, let's All do right. it. Seth's in a giving mood today. We've got two tickets to the Pitt game on January 25th. Fourth caller right now, 315-437-7644. Fourth caller right now, a pair of tickets to Syracuse and Pittsburgh. And we might have some more at some point. Let's throw the tickets back Maybe at not you. today, but at some point we got some more. Probably. All right, fair enough. Do you want to take a timeout? Let's do that. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Uh, we've got uh, 20 more minutes left in the show, and then we'll get you to uh, Lucas Favalli and Crunch Hockey. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Ah, that's your, why you can't hear me. Your phone was my turning f- your mic off. I was off. like, why can't they hear me? Now nah, you got me. See, you thought I did what I do to Tommy and yeah. turned your mic off. No, no I, that I was thought you like, double punched or something. Nope. All right. Steven Seth, back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation, brought to you in part by Burdick BMW. 315-437-7644. If you want to check in, now's the time to do it. We've got 15 minutes left in the show. Uh, we've got Lucas Favalli coming your way with Crunch Hockey. The Crunch taking on their rivals from Utica today at 1 o'clock. Pre-game starts 
at 12.45. We'll continue the, the SU basketball talk going, though, for the next 15 minutes or so. Um, what else stood out to you about this game? We talked about the, the lack of turnovers and taking care of the basketball and the way that Buddy played. I guess we, you know, we didn't do Buddy justice. You know, we said, well, he got really hot in the first half. He got more than hot. He yes. was, he was unguardable. And, uh, and the usually very quiet and polite Buddy Beheim running down court saying, they can't guard me. And, and he was accurate. They could not guard him. He scored 18 straight points for Syracuse. That was remarkable what he did. I mean, he turned a sluggish start for the Orange all of a sudden into what turned into a double-digit lead. Um, they eventually gave gave it back. But uh, but Buddy was was a difference maker on this day. And then he and then he came out after the half and just drained another one, right? I, I mean, he he was just exactly what they needed. And we've seen this a couple of times. You know, uh, Elijah Hughes was really struggling in the first half, really struggling. But Buddy was there and picked them up. And this is kind of what we t- it goes back to a conversation that we've had throughout the year. And I I hate to keep circling back to this conversation because I I hate the conversation, quite frankly. And that is the the conversation that naturally comes up anytime Buddy has a bad game or an off couple of minutes, which is, well, he's only playing because of his name. He's only playing because of who he is. And, like, maybe you should uh, sit him down for, like, 10 minutes. He's not a a 40-minute-a-game player. And naturally, Steve, we'll always come on and we'll say, all right, fine, bench Buddy Bayheim. Who do you have that could possibly do what Buddy Bayheim can do? And Saturday's first half was another really good reminder of that. You have nobody else on your team. Okay, fine. You have one other person on your team who can do what Buddy did in the first half. One, and maybe two, and that is Elijah Hughes and Joe Girard. And you're not benching Buddy in favor of either of them. You're benching Buddy to put in Howard Washington or Bryson Goodine or somebody else or Quincy or somebody. And none of those three or four players can do what Buddy did, and that is go on an 18 to five run on his own. You know that that first half was unbelievable, and it, nobody else can do it. It was, and we talked about this going back to the Georgetown game, and you know we got a lot of calls, and I got a lot of pushback for you know he he needs to sit. Um, you know, others need an opportunity, and and that was my point. You know, you go back to the Georgetown game, zero points in the first half, 25 in the second half. He is capable of doing that in a moment's notice. Um, and he's getting better defensively. He's able to put the ball on the floor now. We're starting to see you know, him kind of turn the corner with, with his game. He's, he's much more than just a shooter right now. Um, and I, I think he's, he's shown that he warrants being out there for a bulk of the minutes. Um, you know, him, Elijah, and Marek all played 40 minutes. And then Joe split time at the point with Howard Washington. It was you know, 24 minutes for Joe. 16 minutes for Washington, and then Barama and Quincy did the same thing. Barama was out there 16 minutes. Quincy played 24. Um, and we said that at the beginning of the season as well. Imagine that. We we're right about that as well. I said, it, 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 you know, they better hope that Quincy comes along because they need him out there, you know, more than 20 minutes a game. I got crushed for saying that about a month ago. So I'm not sitting here patting myself on the back, but. We need to let the season develop. We need to let the team develop. And you're starting to see this team come around. And Buddy is showing why he's on the court for 40 minutes. And Quincy is showing that he deserves more time and what he can bring to the table. And this team as a whole is starting to show that they're growing up a little bit and they're winning these close games. We just got to gotta let this season develop. This particular team, we knew they were young coming into the year. We needed to give them a little bit of time. And now they've had that time. And again, I don't know if they're a tournament team or not. But this whole notion that they have no chance, I think that is out the window. They absolutely have a chance. 
you know, they're going to have to play their way in, but they've taken a big step in the right direction these last couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and it's been really, really impressive to watch, whether it is, uh, you know, Buddy in that game against Virginia in the second half in overtime, Buddy, what he did on Saturday, Elijah Hughes just catching fire, you know, at certain times, Buddy, what he did against Boston College, um, you know, and, and, you know, before you mentioned, hey, we didn't talk much about Buddy, we didn't do that justice, you were going to say what caught your attention in that game, something quite honestly that caught my attention, and Steve, this might sound strange. Um, Elijah Hughes caught my attention for for what we didn't see in the first half, right? Like that. That's been it's been such the abnormality that he's just you know bad in a half. You know, when he hasn't scored in a half, maybe he he just hasn't been taking the shots. We've seen that before. In the second half against Georgia Tech, in the second half against Georgetown, he didn't get the same shots that he did in the first half, and that caused his numbers to look bad. But I don't think he played poorly in those second halves. On Saturday, I thought he was just bad in the first half. And, and it stood out to me because you hadn't seen that out of Elijah, really, for the majority of the year. Yeah, and then he came alive in the second half, right. and he finished with 17, and again, he did it. You know, he was struggling from three-point range. Again, one for seven from three-point range, but he found a way to get to the basket, to use his size, to get in the paint, and again, Syracuse outscored Virginia Tech 34-12 to uh, in terms of points in the paint, Elijah is with 17-7. and seven. So you look at his final stat line, and you say, you know, oh, you know, just solid game out of Elijah. What he always seems to do is score 17, 18, 19 points. Doesn't seem like he scores like 17, 18, 19 like every game. Um, but in any event, that's what he did on Saturday. But it was it certainly was a tale of two halves. And he came alive in a nick of time. Hit that big three. Uh, the, the one three that he hit was a big three. Right after Virginia Tech had nailed a three at the other end, they were closing that gap. You know, he was able to, to come down and, and respond. Uh, let's go to the phone lines at 315-437-7644. Got about 10 minutes left in the show. Uh, Steve in DeWitt is kicking us off on Orange Nation today. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, what do you got for us? Well, I got a couple of thoughts about the game on Saturday. Uh, one was, you know, I, I kind of have a comparison with the point guard position with our quarterback situation at Syracuse. You know how DeVito is by himself. He has no real threat to the position where he has to step up his game and you know I need to perform well. I kept thinking while I'm watching this game, Joe G3 is not playing well, and he knows there's someone on the bench that can come in there and run the show. And I think it really adds a, a, a sense of competition to the team where, you know what, there's no more, you can't compromise that position anymore, which is a really, it's really good to see how we're really stepping in there and, and keeping the flow of the game going. And I really like to see him continue to do that because I'm a big Howard Washington fan, you know, everything's been through. So I'd love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm I'm right on board with that one. Uh, continue on, Steve. Okay, and my my second uh my second thing is that final shot for V Tech that they drew up. I, I'm not sure if he, I kind of joined in late. I, when he took that shot at the top of the key, Elijah, that was Elijah Hughes right there. That game, that play was really quick. Was he set up there in the beginning of the play? Because usually he plays down on the wing. Yeah, so we talked about that at the top of the show, Steve, and, and we appreciate you checking in. Uh, that was an adjustment Jim Beheim made during the timeout as he took Joe Girard out. He put Barama Sidibe in. So instead of having Marek in the center, they had Barama in the center, and they had Marek and Quincy on you know the, the wings and you know on the, the bottom of the zone. And then Elijah came up and played the top of the zone with Buddy Beheim. So now instead of 6-1-6-6, you're 6-6-6-6 across the the, the top of the zone. And yeah, that was absolutely by design. We, we discussed it at the top, but that, that was, 
you know, that was a, a key move that Jim Bam made because if Joe Girard's out there, and again, nothing against Joe, he can't help that he's 6'1", but Landers Nolly's 6'7". He's rising, and whether Joe's contesting or not... He's getting the shot off. Nolly is getting a, a clean shot off. I mean, he got the shot off against Elijah. He's getting a clean shot off over the top of Joe Girard, and that wasn't the case with Elijah out there contesting. No, it's no, not at all. That, that was a huge, huge move. Uh, can I say something about Howard Washington? And I, I don't want this to come off as though I don't think he's a good piece to this team or a good backup point guard. I, I certainly do. I think I think he's exactly what you want in, in a backup point guard. I'm trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out what exactly is happening when he's on the floor. That Syracuse went plus twenty two on Wednesday night in his Well he seven was on the minutes. floor for Buddy's and then, eruption. And then when he, and then they went plus seventeen yeah. on Saturday. Like it's it's not necessarily what he is doing. And I, again, I don't mean to take it away from him, but like he's been on the floor when Buddy's gone off now in back-to-back games. Earlier in the year when, when he came in and played and somebody was like, oh, well, he went plus 12 in three minutes. Yeah, it was like Elijah went down and hit three threes in, in three straight possessions. Like I, I don't know if he's getting people the ball in the right place. I don't know if he's just the, got the got the good fortune of being on the court when these things happen. If you know, if, if it's a combination of things, like I, I'm not quite sure what it is. But you look at the stat line of like two points and a rebound or two points and an assist, and you're like, okay, I don't see where he's putting his fingerprints on this game to end up with the plus twenty seven, uh, plus twenty two. His biggest strength is that. He runs the offense, and he knows where guys want the basketball and how to get them the ball. And, you know, some credit goes to him in terms of, all right, Buddy's hot. How do we how do we free him up for shots? How do we put him in a position to score? Um, and I'll give Elijah some credit during that run as well because we know that, you know, Elijah is, is a big-time scorer for this team as well. He deferred to Buddy when Buddy had to go, and I'll give yep. Elijah some credit. Elijah had the ball a few times, and he was trying to find Buddy. So, I think Howard Washington, you said, is he fortunate? I think sometimes you create your own luck. And when he's out there, he knows what he's He's a very smart player, and he gets the ball where it needs to go, when it needs to get there, and, and so on and so forth. And, and that is a skill, and that is an asset. And as Steve said, the fact that he can push Joe Girard, I think, is very good for everyone involved. It's good for the team. It's good for Joe that... You know he can when he is making mistakes. He can go down, sit, sit down, think about him. You know he can have Jerry next to him, pointing things out, or Jim get in his ear and say, you know, this is this is why we took you out. You need to do this, this, or this. I think it's it, it can be a very good thing for Joe. It's certainly good for Howard, and I think it's it's good for the team as well. Um, you know, and and Howard has come in and he's shown that he's able to run the offense and run it effectively. So I, th- this is not a bad thing at all that there's some competition. No, not a, I. I don't think it is at all. I think competition is always a good thing. All right, let's get back to the phone lines. Josh in Syracuse has been waiting patiently. Hey, Josh, how are you today? Guys, thanks for taking my call. Happy MLK Day. Yes, same to you. What do you got for us? So I don't. So I just kind of want to go back and to answer uh, Seth's question. I don't know if he was actually posing it as a question. Um, you know, before with. Why the why Howard Washington's having so much success when he's on the floor? And you know, I play low end Division three basketball, so whatever. I guess my opinion is what it is. But I'm just saying, you can tell the ball movement and things like Joe Girard isn't your typical point guard, in my opinion. He's right. more of an off guard, you know. And Howard Washington, even though he has the ability to, to make a couple shots here and there, I think he is almost like he's just he's trying to get everyone involved. And I think that the ball just moves a little bit more um, when he's on the floor. And the way this team is, and, and the re- main reason for my call, um, 
I want to just say this, you know, I'm a season ticket holder. I've been in section 209 for 10 years and the amount of people in this section when as early as when we lost to Virginia, obviously as ugly as that game was, every single person, it's been, a, it was a rough start. Hey, I'm done. Can't, you can't, you can't keep running the zone, you know, the typical stuff. And now everyone's changing their tone because obviously the team's playing well. And it's so annoying to a certain extent, but you won't find a bigger Jim Beheim appreciate uh, someone appreciate him as much as I will. And the fact that, and I, and I, and I hate to do this because it's, it's kind of like, oh, that's an easy way out. You know who Buddy Beheim reminds me of? Who? He reminds me, he reminds me of Andy Rowlands. Okay. You know, when Andy Rowlands came in, everyone was like, oh, you know, he, you know, he's Leo's son. You know, that's the only reason why he's getting any time when he was a sophomore. And then the Big East tournament happened. I think it was the UConn game, the six overtime game, yeah. where he was just whapping threes all over the floor. Buddy has a lot of Andy Rowlands in him. I don't know if he's got as, as much all around skill. But, you know, he he's a local kid, you know, obviously playing for his dad. He's going to have a lot of haters and things like that. But the kid's great. He's, he's turned into such a player. And if you would have told me last year that Buddy Beheim's going to be, you know, Hughes is the best player, but Buddy's a close second. If everyone would have said, you know what, Buddy Beheim's going to be the catalyst to this team next year, you know, I would have told them that they were stupid for saying that. But the kid's turning around. It's ha- I'm happy for Jim Beheim. He's coaching his son. You know, the guy doesn't get as much credit as he should. Everyone's so so quick to turn against Jim Beheim when you have a couple rough games. The guy never finishes under 500. The team's playing well. This team can beat anybody when they're on. The zone's good. It's, it's breathing life back into this into the city, you know, with how awful the football team was, uh, you know, this year, how disappointing they were. I'm happy to see this team playing well. That was a huge win on Saturday. We can't discount it at all. Virginia Tech is a tough place to go win, you know, and they're and they're pulling wins together. Who cares how they're doing it? And now everyone's back on the Bayheim bandwagon, and I'm happy about that. So. All right, Josh, do me a favor. Do me a favor, Josh. Call us again because that that was one of the best calls I've heard in a while, I, and I mean that. Um, spot on. I, I appreciate you checking in. We got to run because we're up against the clock, but. Uh, Great call from Josh in Syracuse yeah. to, to, to kind of close out the show here today. I, I agree with everything he said. Yeah, no, I, I agree with him. I, I think that um and, and I think it's also natural to be down on the team when you're when you're losing games and when you're yeah. and when you're when you're playing the way that they were. But forget forget the fact that they were losing games. We just said it earlier. They are significantly better right now than they were two weeks ago. Like I, I think that they have gotten to be a better team than they were two weeks ago, and I think that's an important. I don't think we should just gloss over that. I think that they were a really struggling team. You know, they were really struggling as a team when they lost to Virginia Tech and, and Notre Dame. Yes, struggling. But does that warrant the whole like ah, this team's garbage and no chance? And and I, I I hear what he's saying, and maybe this is a topic for another day. We certainly can't get into it here. Um, but I I feel his frustration because there is a lot of that. They get off to a slow start with a really young team. They didn't have any bad losses, and everybody was just piling on saying ah, this team's garbage and Bayam needs to go. Everything he just said, he he was spot on. And now all of a sudden they win three games in a row, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we love Buddy, we love you know, we love this team. A lot of pressure on Buddy to come in here as a local kid. Same with Andy Routens. A lot of pressure on those local kids to come in here and get the job done. And to their credit, more when you uh, got that last name. Yeah, exactly. All right, we got to run. Seth's got the Jerry McNamara show tonight, seven to eight. I'll be on with Red from eight until nine. Enjoy crunch hockey. We'll talk to you again at noon tomorrow.